I'm glad that we don't have to live in fear. You know, there's some promises that we have, and I want to uh, set your mind at ease. And not only did we clean all the armrests and all that, but when we follow Jesus, we have a promise. And uh, 2 Timothy 1.7 tells us God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and of sound mind. And uh, I, I just believe we're, as followers of Jesus, we have the Holy Spirit in us giving the capacity to have a sound mind during seasons like this of worry and fear. And in fact, uh, our minds are soundly engaging. What do we do if, like, the school district calls us and says, okay, we're closing down for a couple of weeks for deep clean, because obviously if they close down, we can't gather. So thank you for praying for the future and for uh, what the Lord could help us mindset around, because we're going to probably have to be creative in the near future, I would imagine, of how we're going to gather. And it might be online. It might be on uh, a live uh, message from my living room that goes out by way of computer or whatever. But here's the deal: we're going to be able to um, we're going to be able to help you grow your relationship with Jesus. One of the mega pastors in our country who's actually quarantined right now. We're always telling you guys to read the YouVersion Bible app and set up a Bible plan. And and you know if you read more than four times a week, the growth that can happen in your life. Well, that pastor and the director of that Bible app are actually quarantined because they were at a conference with somebody that had coronavirus and they flew back into the country. And uh, I say all that to say this. Craig Rochelle, that pastor, says this quote that I thought of this week. He says, limitation breeds innovation. And it's interesting when there's something limiting like schools closing down or, uh, you know, businesses closing down and we're having to kind of think of how we do things differently, um, that it breeds innovation. And we've talked about for quite a while being able to put our services in a way that are hosted online. And, and what this does is it makes us just ramp that up real fast, you know, and, and, and figure out what does that look like? How do we interact? And, and how can we all of a sudden now, maybe, maybe God's going to use a moment like this to reach even more people, give even more people in the community an opportunity to see uh, why your relationship with Jesus is growing, and they'll want that as well. So thank you for those who tune in on Facebook and uh, or that are present here. It's awesome. We're excited to have you all with us. Whatever you do, if we send out the e-news or a notification on your app or um, something on social media saying, hey, we're doing service by way of the computer, uh, don't just wake up next Sunday morning, turn on Shark Tank, and start clipping your toenails. It's time to tune in to the uh, podcast or webinar or however we do it, and uh, uh, that you can join in service. But it could be maybe, maybe a pajama day for everybody, so uh, it'll all be fun. Hey, let's jump in to the talk here, uh, and... We read this verse last week. I'll go ahead and open with it again so you get like a heart for this series. Uh, it says in Job 17, 15, Job's life has just been brutalized. He's lost everything. And he says this, uh, where, there, where then is my hope? Who can see any hope for me? Here's a guy who's at 
the end of his rope. People around him are kind of being a little judgmental on why he's down. He's lost everything, and he's, he, he's wrestling with God in prayer and conversation. He's being 100% authentic, and it's the religious people around him are kind of being driven crazy by how genuine he's being in, in his communication with God, and, and they're coming at him, and he's like, man, I feel like I'm alone. You know, who can see any hope for me? Well, and that's what this series is about. I, I believe we're we're in a world around us right now where people are straining for something and they don't know what it is. Well, it's hope. They're trying to find hope. They're trying to see something hopeful. And they're straining towards uh, finding this whatever. And they're trying all kinds of methods of fulfillment. But what they really are longing for is hope. And some of us in here have discovered that. Others are on that journey of discovering hope. And I hope that, that we can share hope with one another and help each other find hope. And, and what really spurred this series on, of all things, was a post of a video of somebody teaching people how to get out of quicksand. And so I kind of had this visual of, man, yeah, life sometimes, we could be going along on a walk, and all of a sudden, something hits us we never anticipated being part of our story, and we're in the quicksand. And we're like, we find ourselves having to make a decision. Do I get out? What do I do? Is anybody going to help me? Is anybody going to dare get close enough to the, the mess of the quicksand to, to rescue me? Or do I have to get myself out? And how do I get myself out? And we start asking these questions and processing. But what happens is some people don't get a rescue. No rescuer comes along and all of a sudden, after a while, like, this is my quicksand. Like, I, this is, I'm, I'm just a quicksander. And they find themselves in quicksand and they just kind of pause there when they're supposed to live in freedom. Today's kind of along the lines of that. Uh, the story that we're looking at is one where this person has kind of just gotten familiar with their quicksand, comfortable with their quicksand, I guess you could say. And they just don't want, they haven't, necessarily shown initiative to get out. And I want to build some tension for a second, because sometimes when you offer hope to someone, they weren't asking. I don't know if you've done that. I don't know how that went for you. <laughs> but sometimes when you extend hope to the person, it's unexpected, it surprises them, and they're like, uh, I'm not sure I want your hope. What do we do? And sometimes even sharing hope when somebody's not asking feels crazy bold to you. And those around you might even observe your sharing hope and think, how, like, why interrupt their world with your version of hope? What is that? Why? And yet we're challenged to do it in the scripture to offer hope to everyone. And so we've got to manage this tension of helping somebody who just is comfortable being stuck, leading them to be unstuck. And um, when we jump into this story, you're going to kind of see how Jesus goes about it with this woman from Samaria. John 4, 1 says this in the Gospel of John. It's Jesus knew the Pharisees had heard that he was baptizing and making more disciples than John Oh. Jesus himself didn't baptize them, his disciples did. 
So he left Judea and returned to Galilee. And he had to go through Samaria on the way. Eventually, he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar, and, and he, he near the field where Jacob gave his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. And, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. And he was alone at the time because his disciples had gone to the village to buy some food. And the woman was surprised. For Jews refuse to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you're a Jew and and I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? And Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. Our big idea, big idea today is this. Jesus is ready to surprise people with hope. Jesus is ready to surprise people with hope. The woman was surprised. It says right there in the text, verse 9. Something was not normal with Jesus, a Jew, asking her, a Samaritan woman, for a drink. Really, it was not even normal for Jesus to be where he was and to take his disciples that direction. Uh, Let me give you a quick history lesson on this. Um, In 721 B.C., the Assyrians captured Samaria, and they deported the Israelites and bringing in foreigners to take their place. And when the Jews did return eventually from exile, a definite break occurred between them and the Samaritans. The breach uh, continued, and the people of Samaria developed their own distinctive religious customs and come time when the New Testament is being written and this occurrence is happening with Jesus and the Samaritan woman, Samaria was part of the same political unit as Judea and was, had a Roman governor and they had differences, a divide, if you will, in their belief practices. So between Jews and Samaritans was a huge conflict, uh, a huge despised culture amongst one another like they didn't they would go around like Jesus being a Jew should have said to his disciples well we could go this way but you know let's go around so that we don't stir up any conflict Jesus didn't come though to avoid the cost of reaching the lost he didn't come to cater to the disciples comfort levels He came to seek and save the lost. says in Luke 19.10, the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. So he's going to put himself smack in the center of the mess. He's not going to avoid the quicksand. He's going in to save. Jesus always, he he discipled his followers to do the same, to reach out in any way, shape, or form. And to us, this might look like a simple navigation from the outside if we didn't know the history. But actually, Jesus knew that he was going to find someone at the well this day 
who needed a divine encounter with hope. Somebody that was searching for hope and yet was unaware where their hope would be found. So our first thought is, the time has come to share hope. The time has come that we share hope no matter how uncomfortable it might be or where we sense we're being sent. Jesus, it said, had to go. He was compelled to this location, probably to the village, but he sees a well and sees an opportunity. He sees the time of day, probably not on his Apple Watch, but he's like, you know, hey, it's, you know, okay, time of day, and that people are probably coming out for water. Maybe my divine appointment's here. You guys go get food. I'm going to be right here. He's at the well, and he notices an opportunity, and he takes it. Interesting that it says, eventually, he made his way there. I don't know why that... Every time you read a text in Scripture, we've done a series on this before, but I got to this when we were studying this, and I was like, eventually? What an interesting word. So like, to Jesus, to the disciples, this took a while. This, This was a journey. They eventually got there. And what might seem like long obedience to us, maybe we've been challenged to to share our hope to somebody and and we're sitting here going, I'm going to get there soon. I'm going to maybe not to, I missed that opportunity today. I recognize it, but maybe tomorrow I'll share. Eventually, Jesus got there. He understands. He understands the Tension that you're managing as well with those around you that eventually you'll share. And our eventually is someone else's soon because this gal did not see this coming. What seems like slowness to you probably seemed like uh, something really quick to her. And uh, all all the void that she had experienced and the relief she was searching for through temporary things, the, the emptiness in her journey was about to come to a quick solution. Even though to Jesus it was like, eventually, to the disciple writing this, eventually we got there, right? Like, took a while. Jesus, led by the Holy Spirit, sits down next to the well, waiting for this divine appointment that God was preparing in advance for him to to find. He was tired. He was weary. Oh, I was going to, man, I was going to share hope today, but I got to work and I was just, it was, I knew I was tired. I was just so, I was beat from the time change. So I wasn't, I was just, next time. Don't we tell ourselves those things? We like come up with a reason to avoid the thing we're feeling nudged to do. Well, Jesus was tired too. He was weary as well. He gets it. And he finds himself there, but he capitalizes on the opportunity when this woman approaches the well and he is able to ask her for water, strike up a conversation, right? Use whatever's there to strike up a conversation. And uh, what some would call a surprise we can see as a divine appointment. Or maybe we would call it around here an an open life moment where we decide I'm going to live my life open here. I'm going to share some hope with this, this person in this moment. It's time to share the hope we have in Jesus and look for those opportunities. Wake up and say, Lord, here's another day. 
here I am. Use me in any way you can. And, and when we sense those divine moments, let's, let's share hope. Let's take those opportunities as the Holy Spirit guides us. The community isn't, uh, isn't shocked when we share hope as a church. I, I think sometimes we think they are. Sometimes we think maybe uh, if we love people a little too aggressively, well, we'll be, that, well, we'll be those people. But the reality is, is that's what they're longing for. They're kind of shocked when we don't share hope, I would believe, if we're playing it too safe as a church, if we're not taking risks in sharing the gospel individually or as a church. We, we need to shake off our bad habits and be more daring, I guess you would say, to where we need the Holy Spirit. Uh, safe doesn't save the life of someone. If they're in quicksand, somebody's going to have to risk their life to save them. And this woman was searching. And how do we know she was searching? Well, we see she was searching through relationships, uh, and she was truly committed to the pursuit. Let's continue. Verse 11, it says, But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said, and this well is very deep. Where would you get this water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestors Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? Jesus replied, Anyone who drinks of this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink of the water I give will never be thirsty again. It's, it becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Please, sir, the woman says, give me this water. Then I'll never be thirsty again, and I won't have to come here to get water. Go and get your husband, Jesus told her. Well, I, I don't have a husband, she replied. And Jesus said, you're right. You don't have a husband, for you've had five husbands, and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. Sir, now imagine how that would go now. Just, just imagine how that conversation would go in our culture today. But here's what she says. Sir, this woman said, you must be a prophet. Maybe now it'd be like, oh, no, you did. <laughs> I don't know what that would, that would come across a little interesting. We, uh, we share video testimonies at Reengage and uh, the marriage ministry that, that we lead here at Open Life. And, and uh, one of the stories, you're going to go through Reengage in the future. Sorry, I'm going to spoiler alert one of the testimonies. Uh, one of the testimonies that this couple sharing about their marriages and the struggles that they're they had within their first marriage were, were this and this and this. And then they talk about their each individually kind of about their second marriage and they're sharing. It was tough, but it ended too because of this, this, and this. And then they're like, but our third marriage, man, this third marriage, uh, you know, I had really become who I needed to be. And they, they kind of share their story. And, and we went to re-engage and the boy had so helped this marriage, you know, and we've been married to each other three times. And you're just like, the punchline at the end of the story, it's this gut punch in the room, and you're just like, they married each other? Like, those changes happen among each other? And it creates a great conversation when we break off into small groups. But the interesting thing is, 
This gal topped that <laughs> in, in, in a way, shape, or form. And Jesus just provides an opportunity for her to understand her search for hope. Husband number one didn't bring her hope. Husband number two did not lead her into a season of hope either. Husband number three, now she's caught up to the testimony of a re-engaged couple. And it, although she probably saw all the potential in the world and now knew what not to experience, didn't work out. Husband number four did not work out. She has to be wondering, will I ever find a guy that will fulfill me, right? Husband number five had to be the man. No. Okay, that's it. No more husband. I'm just going to find a man. Man number six, no. It was number seven, Jesus, who would encounter her at a well and ask her for water that was going to be the one to show her hope. And it was not in the way she thought she was going to find it. He interrupted her journey, her life. This is incredible. And what did she do with this? It, trans it immediately just disrupted her reality. It immediately put her from hopeless and seeking. I imagine there's some people mad at this gal. Think about it. <laughs> there's some, probably some uh, gals whose husbands went with this gal in the course of all those journeys. But the first thing she does when Jesus tells her about this hope and this water that will make her never thirst again and introduces it in a way that, that calls it out is she runs back to the town and tells everybody she may have found Jesus. We'll read in a second. That's bold because she had to have been sharing her newfound hope with a lot of people who didn't care for her. Number seven gives her hope. Now, don't any of you get ideas today? I'm not promoting anything. <laughs> oh, good to know. Number seven. Let me take note. Pastor said today, church, it would be the seventh. No, that's, that's not what's happening. Uh, thought number two, let me get out of this hole I'm digging. Only people, if only people knew the gift of Jesus. If only people knew the gift of Jesus. In fact, we read it there, in, as Jesus said it in verse 10. If only, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who is speaking to you, then you would ask me and I would give you living water. And what kind of conversation does the, the woman begin there? She begins this conversation that you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan, Right? Why are you talking to me? And I think when we're going to share hope, we may run into the same scenario. Don't be surprised if you do. Because that mindset is common. Oh, but you're a... How could you share hope with me? You're a Republican and I'm a Democrat. Well, that's a quiet response right there. Anyway, uh, you know, it's like, you're a, you're a businessman and I'm homeless. How do you know what I'm going through? You're free. I'm in prison. How would you understand? 
You're from White River High School. I'm from Sumner High School. How would you understand? We don't have a place to sit at lunch. They didn't pass the levy. Anyway, uh, you're a Christian. I'm an atheist. What do we have? And how can you show me hope? You're a child, and I'm an adult. How dare you try to point the way? But you know what's cool? We're not just babysitting kids today. When, when you're serving the children, nursery, preschool, elementary, you're equipping young people with the gospel that they know they're loved by Jesus and that they're loved by each other and they can go home and they can share all the hope they have to deal out. Sometimes it can make you nervous as a parent when they ask questions you don't know answers for. You know, it's just like they're falling in love with Jesus and they surely, I have witnessed over decades people leading their families to Christ. Never look down on a child's faith. It'll shock you. It'll transform you. None of those you are uh, and I'm uh, matter. And Jesus doesn't let that get in his way because she needs the hope that's only found in Jesus. Sorry to surprise you, but you just need Jesus. And telling people that allows God to divinely interact with their life in a way you know, sorry to break through this social norms, but we're going to talk to each other and have a conversation because I believe there's hope for you. And sometimes it's just going to be that awkwardness and us getting through that inward struggle to finally share. And it's going to impact people's life in a very, very, very positive way. Just because you bring the hope doesn't mean people will go easy on you, though. <laughs> and that's what we see she gives Jesus the business here. John 4, 20. Uh, Tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship while we Samaritans claim it is here at Mount Gerizim where our ancestors worshiped? And Jesus replied, believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when I will no longer, it will no matter... Let me try that again. Uh, time is coming where it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on the mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him, for salvation comes through the Jews. But the time is coming, indeed is here now, standing right in front of her, right? When the worshipers, true worshipers, will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, and the Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. God is spirit. So those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. And the woman said, I know the Messiah is coming. <laughs> Can you imagine? Well, you know, I know the Messiah is coming, and the one who's called Christ, and when he comes, he'll explain everything to us. And Jesus told her, I, um, um, excuse me, yeah, in the time, I am the Messiah. I, how did he present that, you know? She's like, well, I know. You're talking to me, but God's going to send the Messiah. <laughs> it's like, um, excuse me? I don't think Jesus had that voice, actually. But it was just like, excuse me, but uh, yeah, I'm the Messiah. 
Like this is one of the few moments he just outright doesn't paint like some parallel story to identify him as the Messiah. He just comes out and says, okay, you got me. I'm the Messiah. And it's like, can you imagine deer in the headlights? I've had that moment before I've shared. Maybe you've heard it. I went to a coffee shop in Spokane and I was judging the way they were making my coffee. I was like watching them pour everything backwards from the way Starbucks said is the gospel to make coffee, you know, so I was just like, I'm watching them make it, and it's kind of making me nervous, and I'm afraid it's going to be bitter, and I was just like, um, yeah, when you're making that right there, uh, at Thomas Hammer, do they teach you how to make coffee like that, you know, and I was just kind of trying to be nice with it, I I was like, a couple miles from the church, so I'm a little aware of that, you know, but I'm still just asking these questions awkwardly, and, and finally I'm like, okay, well, I'll taste it and see how it tastes, you know, and so I, I go to drink it, and right before I do, the, the gentleman says, well, hey, I'm glad, you, I'm, I'm glad we could have this experience together, and by the way, my name's Thomas Hammer. I was like, oh, dang, my bad, bro. You know, so it was just, that happens. Like, this gal, I get it. This must have been awkward for her. <laughs> this had to have been weird. But the time has come where she had a face-to-face with the Messiah. Are you kidding? How amazing is that? Embarrassing and amazing. And so what does she do? She freaks out. She runs back to the town. And tells them about Jesus, as we'll read in a second. The time has come for us to just present Jesus to people. Because their eyes might open. The Messiah is here with us wherever we go. Everything you need for life and peace and hope is right in front of you through Jesus. Which brings us to our third thought. Show people the life that comes through Jesus. That's what we get to do. We get to show people this life that comes through Jesus. Those straining to find hope are often stuck. Self-judgment is huge. Self-talk, I deserve to be here. I'm stuck here, but I guess here is my new normal. They build like a theology around their quicksand and just decide to be stuck. You know what? No. You don't have to. In fact, oftentimes, people who are stuck will, will not understand. They're, they're trying natural methods, and she did the same thing at the beginning of the story. She's like, how can you give me water? You don't have a rope and a bucket. She was so focused on the natural, but Jesus was there on a supernatural appointment. You know, people also get stuck inside their, their traditions, which she demonstrates. Oh, well, you know, Jews worship this way and Samaritans worship this way. How could you be presenting me hope? Right? And when we get stuck in our church, well, my parents didn't go to church or my parents' parents didn't go to church, so I'm not a church person. How many times have I shared hope with someone who says, yeah, well, I'm I'm not a church person. I was like, well, I don't think, like, I'm a church. I don't know, like, when do you become a 
how did, how did, how, is it a church person? Like, are you born there or are you, you know, it's not religion we're seeking after. We're, we have this relationship with Jesus that is positively transforming our lives and, and life is better on this side of the decision I made to follow Jesus. And, and Jesus doesn't point out all the things this woman has to give up to follow him. He just says, here I am. It's like worship genuinely God and Jesus is the way there and she's like yeah he's going to point the way there and show us everything I'm the everything right here and she has this opportunity so this is what she does with it John 4 39 many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman said he told me everything it's exactly what she predicted right well, the Messiah will tell us everything. Well, she went back to the town and said, he told me everything. <laughs> this is the Messiah. He told me everything I ever did. And when they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in their village. So he stayed for two days, long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. Again, they're begging a Jew and his friends to stay. This is crazy. But they do it. They beg him to stay. So he stayed for two days, long enough for many more to hear the message and believe. Then they said to the woman, now we believe not just because of what you told us, but because we have heard him for ourselves. Now we know that he is indeed the Savior of the world. We can't keep the Savior of the world secret. That's just my little deal that I grow on Sunday or Monday or online, or on Facebook Live. No, this is, this is a relationship we need to hand out to anybody who is showing signs of needing hope. This is a relationship we have that we need to give away, and, and that's where our action thought comes from. We need to surprise people with hope in Jesus. Just think about it. As the worship team's going to do a song in a second, we're going to pray our way into it. But I want you to be considering, man... God, who do you want me to surprise with hope in Jesus? Like, who would be surprised? What does the moment look like? Or at least, where do you want me to go? And then show me what to say. <laughs> Guide me. And he says he will in his word. He'll give us the words to say, even if we're in front of kings and queens, it says. I want to challenge you to surprise people with hope. We see what happens when it ha the life transformation to an entire village. I believe God has that for you. An entire neighborhood, an entire community, an entire city, an entire workplace, an entire school, an entire sports team. That's what I believe God wants to do through us. Can you stand with me? We're going to pray together. Ask him to give us the courage, the boldness to surprise people with hope. Lord, I thank you for everybody who could make it today. I thank you for everybody joining us right now online. And I pray that you would give us the courage and boldness to surprise people with the hope of Jesus. And maybe our surprise is happening right now. In this room, we're realizing I need Jesus. I need hope. Maybe we stumbled across this link 
and, and tuned into this message and we've been glued to it and we're like, why, I need hope. God, will you allow us to, to have the courage to say, Jesus, come into my life. Be my Lord and Savior. I want to follow you and I want to grow in relationship with you because I see the world around me and the world around me needs hope and I want to extend hope to others. God, I pray that you will empower us. Give us the boldness through the power of your Holy Spirit to share hope. And what a better season right now when those around us are gripped with fear and worry. Give us that sound mind that comes through the hope we have in you and help us offer that source of hope, which is Jesus to others. God, we give you praise for what you're stirring in our spirit as we worship you here, Lord as we go after you and worship and consider what you would have us do, speak to us, show us where you want us to go. Give us that direction we need for our divine encounter. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen. You can debate what God wants to do in and through you as the worship team sings.